chapter 11. We'll try to get through all 10 verses. We have, in really the last chapter and a half, we've, we've come across several verses that are kind of tough to interpret, kind of tough to understand exactly what they say, and there are some differences of interpretation, and, and some of these you can open up commentaries and find a wide variety of, of different ideas as to what some of these things mean. Uh, when we read the Bible, we do come across things sometimes that are difficult for us to understand. One reason for that is because translation is difficult. When you translate from one language to another, just changing the words sometimes loses its meanings. That, that's one reason why it's difficult perhaps to understand some of these things. Another reason why is because we may not understand some of the phrases or some of the idioms that are used in the original language. Things that they may have said and they may have understood entirely and totally what was being said, but Thousands of years later, those things have not carried over to our culture. Now, we use idioms all the time. We, we say things all the time, and we don't think about it. I could say, man, I sure hope that it rains cats and dogs soon. And everybody in here knows exactly what I'm saying. Nobody in here thinks for a second that I want literal cats and dogs to fall from the sky. This is something we understand in our culture. But other cultures, even in our world today, may not understand what I'm saying. And think about five, six, seven thousand years from now. Are people going to know what I was talking about? Sometimes we say things like, well, I guess I'm going to bite the bullet. Now, when you hear that or say that, it is likely nobody that you say that to thinks that you are fisting to go get a bullet from a gun and bite it. We understand that these sayings, they may have an origin that's quite literal, like biting a bullet. Sometimes you see... In old western shows or ye old times that somebody's got a painful, they're going to have to cut a leg off or remove a, remove a bullet from a wound and it's going to be really painful and they'll give them a drink of whiskey and they'll give them something to bite on, maybe a bullet or a piece of wood because it's fisting to cause a lot of pain. So when we say it's time to bite the bullet, what we're saying is, all right, I know that this thing I've been dreading is painful, but I've got to do it. And so that's, those are some examples to help us understand that when we read certain things in Scripture, we may kind of say, I don't know what that means, and it may just be that we are too far removed from the culture. And some of these things, even in the history books, <clears throat> some of the best and brightest minds eventually say, well, I'm not really sure what this means. And so that's what some of these things are going to be tonight. It's, it, may not be, it might not be abundantly clear to us exactly what some of these things mean, and we won't, we're not going to spend a lot of time <clears throat> excuse me, on each of these Feel free to study some of these things in the commentaries, and you will you will find some some sometimes very very different interpretations and ideas. But but based on my reading through and and kind of what I think, I'll tell you what what I think it's saying, and that may or may not be right. But I think we can get some good from it either way. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your word, and it is good. And we do not always understand it. We want to, and we pray that you would help us to understand it as best we can. But, dear Lord, we also know that there are some things that will just be a mystery to us, that we will just scratch our head and say, I'm just not sure about that. But, dear Lord, 
Let us not dwell on the things we don't get, but let us live by the things we do get, dear Lord. There's enough there that we can see, that we can understand, that we can know what it means. So let us live by what we know, not by what we're not sure of, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Send your bread on the surface of the waters, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Now, both of those things, at least when I read them, you guys may be far smarter than me, those things are not abundantly clear exactly what those things mean. It says, send your bread on the surface of the waters, for after many days you may find it. What I think perhaps is, is being said there is give from what you have and there will be times that what you give will come back to you. We say all the time, you reap what you sow. There's another good example of something that we, that we understand the purpose of. You reap what you sow. So when you have to give, you should give. And when you give, things have a way of making their way back to you in some form or another. Now, many in our world, especially those who are Buddhists, would call that karma. I don't believe in karma in the way that it's taught in Buddhism. But the fact of the matter is, is that the choices we make and the things that we do, they do have an effect on our life. If we are mean as a snake to everybody we encounter and we trample on them and we do them bad, then guess what? Chances are they're going to do the same thing to us. If there's a time of need, people are going to do that back to us. If we are generous and we give and we help people, chances are when we are in a time of need, people will help us. But if we, have, if we have cheated people and wronged people and, and stolen from people, guess what? That's going to come back on you too. So maybe that's the idea when it says, send your breads on the water, and after many days you may find it. That is to say, sometimes we do good things, and we want to make sure that we say, we're not doing good things just so, okay, maybe in the future I can get some reward. No, we do good things because it's right, because God calls us to do what is right and good and to treat people right and to be wise. But, but the result of, of being wise and being good is oftentimes there are blessings that come in our life. And so maybe we spend our whole life doing what is good and we are tempted to give up. But what does it say here? After many days you may find it. That is, what you've cast out may come back to you in some way, shape, or form after many days. I was reading a story just today about a young man uh, when he was, I believe he was 12 years old, he threw a message in a bottle in the ocean in Florida, and now he was like 40-something years old, and that message washed ashore, and it came back to him. He had put his address on there, and all those years later, it had been like 30-something years, the folks that found that bottle that washed ashore, they get sent it back to him. There's a fun example of something that you cast out into the sea that's brought back to you. I think that's perhaps the meaning here, that in life we cast things out and they find their way back to us, either good or bad. Same idea perhaps here in the second verse, give a portion uh, to seven or even eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Now some of your translations may say something along the lines of invest in seven things or eight things. Uh, perhaps that's the idea here. It's not real clear. Uh, but if you have, you need to be wise with what you have. Perhaps it's speaking of investment in some way. Hey, make good decisions with what you have. 
Don't put all your eggs in one basket. There's another good example of an idiom that we use. We understand what that means. So, so be wise in the decisions you make. Maybe it's speaking of how we give to people, that if there are people that we encounter and we have been blessed and we have the ability to help and to bless others, let us help those others. What does it say for? You don't know when disaster may happen on earth. So if it's speaking in terms of investment, hey, make wise investments. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't tie up all your resources in one way, shape, or form. Have them in a way that they'll benefit you in times of trouble. If it's speaking along the lines of giving to others and helping others, perhaps that comes back to you in your day of disaster. You give and you help other people. We do that a lot, praise the Lord, in this community. People are very, very good to help each other. And hey, when you're in a hard time, people come to your aid. And when they're in a hard time, we go to their aid. That's, that's the sign of a good community, of a good loving community. Uh, so maybe that's the idea that, that the writer of Ecclesiastes is speaking of when he speaks of giving out seven or eight times because there's disaster coming. And maybe there's blessing when we do good when we can, that when those bad times come, it comes back to us in a, in a good way, in a blessing. Verse 3, If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will be. Now, isn't that an interesting verse to consider? What in the world does he mean there? Well, I'm not really sure. Uh, if the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Now, this is typically viewed in, in two ways. Some would translate this passage and say, the clouds represent what is evil, and the rain that comes represents judgment that is coming on the earth. And when the tree falls, it's because it is dead. And once something is dead... Whatever its destiny is, that's what its destiny is. If it's fallen here, that's where it'll be. If it's fallen there, that's where it'll be. So sometimes this particular verse is translated in, a, in kind of a negative way. However, sometimes translators would translate this verse and interpret this verse in, in, a, in a much more positive way. After all, sometimes perhaps rain could be a bad thing. There are certainly seasons of flooding and places to get rain after rain after rain, and sometimes you wish the rain would stop. For example, last August, we were getting Michelle's office ready, and almost every single day of the month last August, it rained. Now, some of you may not remember that, but I remember that well because our basement leaked, and I was hoping it would stop raining because every day I would have to go vacuum all the water out of the basement. And every day, just about, last August, it rained. But not so this August, right? Last August, I was saying, God, please let us have a break from the rain. What are we doing this August? We're saying, please, God, send the clouds. Why? Because we want the clouds to come and bring the rain. The rain, in this instance, would be a blessing. So perhaps both interpretations would be true in some sense of the word. Yes, there is judgment that comes sometimes on folks, but there is also blessing that comes sometimes on folks. And so here he speaks of the clouds and the rains falling, but maybe more difficult to interpret is wherever a tree falls, that's where it lays. Well, that's pretty good wisdom there, I guess. If you go home tonight and chop down a tree, see where it lays and call me in the morning and tell me if it's moved. Chances are it's not going to be moved. Now, some have, as I stated earlier, interpreted that in kind of a negative way. But some have said, no, a tree falls or the branches from the tree falls or the fruit from the tree falls. And wherever it falls, more 
more fruit grows and wherever the, the, the fruit from that tree falls, more fruit grows and it just the tree continues to expand and its fruit continues to expand. And that may be a more positive way to interpret that particular passage. But if I'm honest, so far as if speaking for myself, I'm not really sure exactly what he's trying to say there. Verse 4. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Now, this sounds like a little bit of procrastination to me. Have there ever been a job that you needed to do, but you did not really want to do it? It's pretty easy to find an excuse to put that off to not have to do it. Now, for me, that job is weeding, especially in the last few weeks. Now, praise the Lord. The grass hadn't grown. I, I think I'd rather it rain and the grass grow. But I hate to weed eat. It's like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I can't do it. It's a little wet this morning. I better not do it. And then I'll say, I'll do it this evening. And it's like, ah, it's a little hot. I better just. And so I can always find an excuse to, to not do it. And that may be the idea that he's talking about here. One who watches the wind will not sow. Oh, I can't sow today. It's a, it's a little too windy out. I better hold off or one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Well, it looks like it might rain. I, I had to get out there and start reaping my crop and, uh, and it start raining, so I, I better just hold off today. Well, if you don't sow when it's time to sow, then guess what? You're not going to grow anything. Now, I don't know anything about gardening, but I know this. I know that there are certain times of year that you plant certain things, and if you plant them too early, they will not grow, and if you plant them too late, they will not grow. And so you, you cannot procrastinate. you got to plant things at the proper time. And I also know this, that when something is ripe, it's got to be picked. It's not going to get right and sit out there and say, I'll just, I'll just stay here for a month until you get ready to pick me. That's not the way that fruits and vegetables work. you got to pick them when they are ripe. And so we can't, we can't procrastinate on things. There comes times that we just need to get things done. Now, that's not to say that there might be certain days that we should or should not plant. Maybe it is a little too wet some days for us to plant. There are certainly occasions where we might need to kind of shift our schedule around. I don't think that's what the author's talking about here. I think he's saying, look, don't drag your feet and don't make excuses. There are certain things that need to be done, and if you want to grow a crop, you got to do the work. you gotta, you got to be ready to get up and do it. Verse 5. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Now, there are certainly uh, many things in this world that, that are a mystery to us. Now, some would be so foolish, that, especially those who pursue science, because there are, quite frankly, there are many things that years ago we perhaps did not know and science has revealed hey this is how this works this is how this is formed and some may be so bold as to look at a passage like this and say oh, well i know it's endocrinal ossification is how bones are formed in the womb and that is true you can find plenty of articles and videos to show you the process of how bones are formed in the womb but those who are making arguments against such verses like this are not really seeking God at all. Okay, perhaps we can come up with some uh, definitions and some understanding of how God works in some things, but there are certainly some things that are a mystery, that are beyond our comprehension, that even science would say, I can't explain this. I don't know how this works. Here we see at the beginning of this passage, just as you don't know the path of the wind, well, we certainly don't know the path of the wind. Now, there are people that go to school to learn the weather and to learn the path of the wind, 
and they, they practice weather their whole life, and they don't know the path of the wind. The next time a hurricane is coming to our area, and you see it on the Weather Channel, I want you to look and see what the weatherman says. Okay, here comes all this wind that's coming, a big old, big old blob of wind, and they'll say, well, we've looked at our projections, and here's where we think it's going to go. And they'll put up this screen, and there'll be a hundred multicolored lines that cover a quarter of the United States. Our projections say it could go in any of these places. Well, you could have given a, 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 a kindergarten class a box of crayons and said draw lines, and they could have done that good. They could just say, we don't know where it's going. It's a big hurricane. This thing could twist and turn and go anywhere. But they don't do that. They cover their bases and say, it can go here. And then when it gets done, they say, well, that's where we said it was going to go. Well, you don't say it. You could throw a dart at a dartboard and guess just as good. The fact of the matter is, I love weathermen, and they may be pretty good at knowing about high-pressure systems and low-pressure systems and the Gulf Stream, and to some extent, they may know the way of the wind, but the fact of the matter is, we don't know the way of the wind. God knows the way of the wind. God knows every intricacy about how something is formed in the womb. And as good as science may be, just because science can explain the way God does things does not negate the fact that it is God who does those things. There are things that are a mystery to us. And so there are sometimes we just have to say, God, you are God. Your ways are higher than my ways, and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So God, I'm just going to trust in you. And I think that that's what this particular verse is telling us. Verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other or if both of them will be equally good. That is, I think what it's saying here is be diligent about your work. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Sometimes it's hard to work. Sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to continue to work hard. But as the New Testament says, don't get tired of doing good because at the proper time you will reap. And so we have to be diligent about the work that we do. It's no different than when we plant our garden. It's it's. I've never planted a garden, but I would imagine that it is quite frustrating when you have spent the time and the money and the energy planting your garden and it don't come up. Is there anybody in here that's ever had that happen before? <laughs> At least one. We got, we got two. We got two that's had that happen. That has got to be the most frustrating thing. But do you give up? Well, probably not. I'm going to say you probably planted a garden the next year. You probably were diligent. Even if it's not gardening, maybe you say, well, that was a one-time thing, it didn't work. But there are certainly things in our life that we realize there is value in us being diligent in those things and not giving up in those things. Even when it's hard to get up early, to go to bed late, there are some things that we say, it's good for me to do this. And we do this because we want there to be good results. It may be, it may be raising our family and say, look, I've got to get up, I've got to go to work early, and I've got to work hard because I want to make sure that my wife's provided for or my children are provided for. And I'm going to come home late, and it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to further my education. I'm going to work harder to get that promotion. And we understand that there are times that we need to work hard, and, 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 and many times there will be some good that will result from that. So as the New Testament says, don't get tired of doing good, for at the proper time you shall reap. And maybe that's the idea that's being spoken of here. Verse 7, 
Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. This is kind of a change of pace here, but, but how true is that? In a, in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense, it is good to see the sun. Now, we might not say so today. We might, we've seen a lot of sun in the last couple of months. We may say, I'm tired of the sun. When we had those clouds yesterday or day before, I said, man, Lord, thank you for these clouds. It was, it was kind of overcast, and it was cool, and I didn't see the sun, but I was glad of it. But generally speaking, the sun is, is something sweet about the sun. If you've ever been shut up inside for a long period of time, and you get to go out into the sun, oh, how beautiful that is to feel the, the heat of the sun and to see the brightness of the sun. Perhaps we need to do something just this simple in our life. Maybe it would be beneficial for us if we stopped and smelled the roses, so to speak. There's another one of those idioms that we use. Sometimes we may just need to stop and enjoy the simple things, the beautiful sun in the sky. Light is sweet, it says. Now, that's true in a physical sense. When I read this passage today, I was thinking about, I watched a show about Appalachia a few weeks ago, and it was, it, this guy went around and interviewed a lot of miners, and they were talking about crawling in these mines it's dark and just i mean i can't even imagine what it's got to be like they're crawling through spots like 18 inches tall they're going in there they come out they're just completely dark can you imagine being in that stuffy old mine all day and you crawl your way back out can you imagine how beautiful that sunshine must feel at the end of the day when you go from darkness into light and here's the thing when we've been in darkness for a long time the light kind of it kind of burns at first right it kind of oh we have to kind of squint because it's too strong and perhaps that's a good illustration for what our life is like spiritually because when we look at the scripture sin is talked about as darkness and jesus is talked about as light following god that's a good thing that's light and when we've been living in sin it, it kind of burns it kind of hurts once once the holy spirit begins to speak to us and god's word begins to speak to us and we first see the light and we're made aware of our sin it's kind of like whoa this is heavy but then once we accept the light and we we walk into the light of jesus christ oh what a sweet light that is so Light is sweet, and it is pleasing to the eyes who see the sun, S-U-N. And it's safe to say that it's pleasing to the eyes who see the sun, S-O-N, as well. Verse 8, and Indeed, if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Now, there is certainly great blessing that comes from growing to be an old man or an old woman. You get to see your children grow up and your grandchildren grow up and you get to see the world and experience a lot of good things throughout this life. So there is certainly, I would venture to say, that if you went around and asked uh, folks that have lived for 70, 80, and 90 years, hey, is there some good in this life? They would certainly say, absolutely. Indeed, if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. So we should rejoice in the days that God gives us. But, it says in the second half of the verse, and let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Perhaps when it's speaking of darkness there, maybe it's speaking of the day of death. If we've lived a long life, it is inevitable that we are closer to death than we were a few years ago. That's true every day. Every day we live, we are one day closer to death. And so we rejoice in the days that God gives us, but I think as we begin to get a little older in life, we begin to think more and more about death. That becomes a realization for us. And so we, we need to remember as long as our days may be, 
that eventually our days will come to an end. And when our days come to an end, we will stand before the Lord. And the question we must reflect on and answer, are we ready when these days, no matter how short or long they may be, are we ready when those days of darkness come? Because as long as our days may be here, they are a small dot in the blip of eternity. And so the days of our death and thereafter are days of eternity. And so we enjoy the years that God has given us, but we want to be ready for the eternity that is to come. Verse 9, Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. Now, I will say that youth is one of the greatest things that there is, but the problem is you don't realize that until you are not a youth. When you get old and you can't see and you can't hear and you can't get up and you can't do stuff you want to do, you think, man, youth was good. When you are young, you can run and you can jump and you can roll and you can twist and you, can, you don't have to stretch. You don't have any pull muscles. You can see. You can see in the dark. You can hear from a, 10 miles away. And then one day you get old and you don't even realize it and you can't see and you can't hear and you say, man, I miss the days when I used to could do things as simple as tie my shoe. You don't think nothing about tying your shoe when you're 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And then it comes to a day where you can't hardly get your foot up. you got to get somebody to tie your shoe or put your shoe on for you. Those days are coming. They're coming for all of us. We shake your head, but they're coming. I can still do all of that. <laughs> I know. Well, praise the Lord, we can, we can still, all, we can still all do all that. But the fact of the matter is... Should we live long enough, there's going to be things that we used to could always do that we will not be able to do anymore. That's a, that's a sobering thought, but the book of Ecclesiastes, it does not pull any punches. It tells us repeatedly some things that are hard and difficult for us to know. So what do we do? Hey, if the Lord gives us many days, we rejoice in those days. But for us young folks, I'll say us, I'm not 40 yet. I'll be 40 next week. So, I mean... Uh, next month. So until then, I'll consider myself a young folk. But to the youth, he says, rejoice, young man, while you are young. Don't take your youth for granted. Do what you can do. Enjoy the ability to do things that you can do. And walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now, here's something we need to be careful of, because throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, there's in the midst of all this, life's a bummer, you're going to die, every, you're going to lose everything you have, nobody's going to remember you, evil people are going to get good things, bad things are going to happen to good people. Like We see those ideas just kind of hit us over and over. But sprinkled in throughout the book of Ecclesiastes are these times that it says, but hey, God's pretty good, so just enjoy the things that God has given you. Enjoy to eat a little bit, drink a little bit, and just enjoy life a little bit. But we have to be careful when we read passages like this and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes that we don't have this you-only-live-once mindset or YOLO, as sometimes you may see. You may have saw the letters Y-O-L-O and never know what that meant. You only live once. We have to be careful. I don't think that's what he's saying here. Look, you're young, so therefore whatever your eye sees and your heart's desire, just go and do it. Just You only live once. Have a big time. Well... I don't think that's exactly what he means there. We certainly want to find enjoyment in life so long as it is in obedience to God and God's word and God's will. But I think that it's, it's clarified for us what we need to consider too. If we have that mindset of you only live once, I'm just going to go wild and do what I want to do. 
Well, let's read the second part of the verse. But you know for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. Okay, enjoy your youth. Go out and live life a little bit, but don't forget, one day you're going to stand before God, so make good choices. Make good choices, okay? So don't, don't go out there and go crazy. We find some enjoyment in life, but we don't want to fall into that foolishness that we've talked so much about in Ecclesiastes 10 over the last few weeks. It talks about the fool over and over again. And so when we begin to live too much for ourselves and our desires, we, we begin to fall into that foolish category. Hey, remember... If you're young and want to enjoy life, everything we do, we're going to have to stand before the Lord in judgment for one day. So we need to keep that in mind, both young and old, in the decisions that we make. Verse 10, Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. Life is short. Now, I remember when I was young, Years were so slow. I mean, you know that when you're a kid, from one Christmas to the next, it's like a decade. I mean, they just do not come around soon enough. But then something happens as you begin to get older, as you begin to get a little age, and you begin to get out into the world, and you begin to work, and you begin to have some responsibilities, and all of a sudden your brain's not just sitting there bored all the time, right? That's what you say when you're young. I'm bored, I'm bored. You hear your grandkids say it all the time. But then you get to a point where you wish you could be bored, where you got this to do and that to do and this to do and that to do, and you think, man, I wish I could be bored. And when that happens, the time is just it's just rushing by. It's, it's speeding by in every direction. And so I think what he's saying here, look, life is short. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh. Life is too short to hold grudges and to, and to, and to live in pain and, and to put up with a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. You've got to realize the things that matter. Life is too short. The days of our youth are fleeting. You're going to go to sleep tonight and you're going to be 15 and you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be 95 and you're going to say, where have the years gone? They go fast. I'm only 40, and they are going really fast for me. And maybe they slow down as you get older. I don't know. But I think the fact of the matter is this. Life is too short to worry about things that do not matter. So worry about what does matter. Now, there are some things in this passage that I don't know exactly what they mean. I, I take my best stab at them and trying to understand them. But I think that we see a few things in here that are good that I think are echoed throughout Scripture. And that is that we should do good. We should help those we can help. And hey, look, you do reap what you sow. We want to reap at the proper time, and we're going to sow at the proper time. And we don't want to get tired of doing good. We want to rejoice in the, the days of our old age, and we want to rejoice in the days of our youth. And no matter how old we are today, we need to be reminded that life is short, and one day we will stand before God. And so for all the things that the author of Ecclesiastes has told us to this point about this world that are perishing, that are passing away, as we have stated many times from Ecclesiastes 12, there is only one thing that matters to us. And he says it's this, to fear God and to keep his commands. That's what it all comes down to in the book of Ecclesiastes. For all the bad that he tells us, for all the things that are tough, 
In our life, it all comes down to fear God and keep His commands. And that's good instruction for us tonight. The greatest command that God has called us to is to put faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And hopefully, everybody that is here tonight has done that. And we're following the example of Jesus Christ. And we're following the words of Scripture. And we're seeking to do good, not just in hopes that good will come back to us, but because God is good to us. And that we enjoy the life as God, that God has given us. That we rejoice in the days that God has given us. And hopefully we understand these important lessons from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good Word. And I pray that you would help us to live by it. I pray, dear Lord, that that as we live our life, that we would seek to do good. That we would seek to help others when we can, dear Lord. That we would seek to live by the truth of your Word. That we would enjoy the simple things in life. That we would enjoy the, the pleasing sunshine. And that we would be able to enjoy the... The drops of rain that, dear Lord, hopefully you will send our way. That we don't get caught up with things that we don't understand. But, dear Lord, we focus on what we do. God, there are certainly things you do that are a mystery to us. But, God, there is one thing you have done that's not a mystery. And that is send your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven. God, I pray that you help us to realize how precious life is and that our days are short. So to make the most of them and do things that count, dear Lord to invest in those that we love, to invest in those around us, to teach them your way, to teach them your word, dear Lord. Those are things that will come with, with eternal consequences for the good, dear Lord. When we tell people about Jesus Christ and they enter into your kingdom, dear Lord, that is something that's eternal. So let us focus on what is eternal and not what is perishing. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.